For the first time in 27 years, a former British Prime Minister is coming to Taiwan. Liz Truss, who led the UK from September to October 2022, will arrive on May 16 for a five-day visit. She will be the UK's second former PM to set foot in Taiwan after Margaret Thatcher visited in 1992 and 1996. According to Taiwan's foreign ministry, Truss will meet with top government officials and deliver a speech at the Prospect Foundation. The ministry said Truss is a long-standing, steadfast friend of Taiwan who has continued to provide support after leaving office. When French President Emmanuel Macron said that Europe shouldn't get involved in the Taiwan Strait, Truss slammed him for being weak and urged the West not to pacify China over the Taiwan issue. CyberSec 2023, a three-day cybersecurity expo, opened its doors on Tuesday. President Tsai Ing-wen spoke at the opening ceremony. Tsai underscored the importance of strong cybersecurity for Taiwan's growth and announced plans to create a cybersecurity national team. Also in attendance was Janet Napolitano, who was the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security under the Obama administration. It's opening day of CyberSec 2023. President Tsai Ing-wen made a point of attending, marking her fifth year in a row at the event. Tsai was accompanied by top government officials, including Digital Minister Audrey Tang, National Security Council Head Wellington Ku, Economics Minister Wang Meihua, and Vice Premier Zheng Wenzhan. Their presence was a clear signal of the government's focus on cybersecurity. I would like to once again underscore that cybersecurity is national security. I have attended CyberSec for five years in a row now to show how much the government values cybersecurity. The event attracted big names in cybersecurity, including Janet Napolitano, who is in Taiwan for the first time. Napolitano is a former U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security and the founder of the Center for Security and Politics at the University of California, Berkeley. No national government can operate best practice domestic security operations without being international and working closely with international partners. It is why we must partner with friends and allies for its own protection. Thank you very much for your speech. That was truly very, very helpful. And I hope that we can have another opportunity to exchange views with you. Our goal is to ensure good cybersecurity so that our industries can prosper. The government will work with Taiwan's industries, private sector experts and communities to build a cybersecurity national team to create a cybersecurity system and industrial chain that's trusted globally. Tsai said that, in response to cybersecurity challenges, her administration will promote R&D for cybersecurity products and services while encouraging investment in cybersecurity startups. She pledged to help various sectors upgrade their cybersecurity for the sake of national security. Turning now to Taoyuan, where refresher training is underway for a group of 14 female reservists. They're Taiwan's first cohort of women to be called up for training. On Tuesday, the group trained alongside their male counterparts, completing a five-kilometer march and a chemical warfare drill. One of them have, has been out of the army for nearly a decade. She said she found the exercises challenging, but was happy to be contributing to the defense of the nation. Fully armed troops march down both sides of the road. They encounter an ambush, and the commanding officer summons the troops, barking orders. 
A scout platoon is sent to assess the situation ahead while the troops are ordered to advance. It's then that the enemy unleashes an artillery barrage, sending them rushing for cover. Besides bombarding them with shells, the enemy also launches toxic gas. The troops strap on protective masks in response. They are reservists called up for refresher training, and among them are 14 women, the first women to join such training in Taiwan's military history. The training schedule is fuller than what I had experienced before, so we'll be able to learn a lot more over these five days. This isn't the same as my previous training, because I had specialized in medical care before. I work in real estate, so I've been able to see many families being formed one by one. You need a nation to have a home, so I'm here to defend the nation today. The women's training program includes a five-kilometer march, combat drills and shooting with live ammunition. It's identical to the men's and includes access to the same accommodations, such as single-person tents and bathing facilities. Whether they are men or female troops of this first cohort, they're willing to spend their time on returning to the military for training. This willingness is crucial for ensuring national security. It's a very important demonstration of the people's commitment to all-out defense and to protecting the country. The military is pushing to bolster its reserve forces in response to the increasingly tense situation across the strait. A Taiwanese-run business in Vietnam says it will take 1,000 employees to Taiwan for a trip packed with local sites. This company trip is made possible by the Guanhong Project, a simplified visa program for tour groups from Southeast Asian countries. The program was relaunched last year as part of a government push to jumpstart the new southbound tourism market. Lawmakers say it's a good start toward attracting international tourists, but that the next step is to resume flight routes canceled during the pandemic. In Taiwan, to boost Taiwan tourism, a Taiwanese businessman in Vietnam plans to take 1,000 employees on a trip this September. Vietnam Precision Industrial Chairman Liu Qi will send two groups of staff to Taiwan, with stops at Sun Moon Lake, Ali Shan and the Gaomei Wetlands. In 2017, we had 600 or 700 people come to Taiwan. This time, we're taking 1,000 people in two groups to come to Taiwan. I am Taiwanese, and of course, I love Taiwan dearly. The most important part is that they come from a new southbound policy country. Over the past few years, the ties between our industries have become closer, and commercial exchanges have grown. Even tourism has flourished. Taiwan hopes to attract 6 million tourist visits by the end of the year. It's aiming to attract tourists from new southbound countries. Vietnam is the fastest-growing market, with 135,000 visitors to Taiwan last year alone, the most out of any other country. A DPP lawmaker called on airlines to resume flight routes that were suspended due to the pandemic. Airlines should resume flights. Some Taiwanese business people go to Kaohsiung, others to Taipei, and all over Taiwan. But some routes are still not back online, so they all have to fly to Taipei and then take the high-speed rail to Kaohsiung. It's a big hassle. I think more efforts can be made to restore flight routes, because, of course, there's a positive correlation between the number of flights and the number of tourists. We're also offering subsidies for charter flights. 
Besides the Vietnamese company, two firms from Thailand plan to bring 500 and 800 employees on trips to Taiwan in the coming months. Penghu is famous for its sandy beaches and glittering seas, but it also boasts tourist attractions of a more edible variety. The cactus is grown to eat on the island, and that's not possible anywhere else in Taiwan. It's used to make ice desserts, drinks, and even a local specialty, specialty known as frost juice. Let's head over to the cactus gardens of Penghu to see what visitors make of this prickly product. Tourists wander through the cactus garden, taking photos. Penghu is the only place in Taiwan where you can experience this spiky delight. For some visitors, though, the spikes are a bit intimidating. The cactus has become a major part of Penghu's tourist economy in recent years. Almost everyone who comes here ends up trying a bowl of cactus ice or a glass of cactus juice. And now you can even try fresh cactus fruit. The stalks are cut off and the outer skin peeled away to reveal the juicy red fruit. Visitors love its sweet and sour taste. Workers process the cactus fruit to produce various products. Cactus juice is poured over ice cubes and yogurt is added to make a refreshing summer beverage. This green glass of frost juice is a rising star in the local drinks market. We grow this ourselves. The plant is originally from South Africa. It was brought to Penghu to grow here. We grow it, sterilize it, and then flash freeze it. As the mercury creeps up, Penghu is hunkering down for its peak tourist season. Thousands of people will converge here and take shelter from the sun in this well-known drink store. If you're heading to Penghu this summer, make sure not to miss this spiky specialty you can't find elsewhere. The Deputy Prime Minister of St. Kitts and Nevis, Jeffrey Hanley, is in Taiwan for his first official visit. On Tuesday, he was received by Vice President Lai Qingde at the presidential office. During the meeting, Lai thanked St. Kitts and Nevis for backing Taiwan's involvement in global organizations over the past year. Let's hear from them. On behalf of President Tsai Ing-wen and the people of our country, I would like to once again express my heartfelt thanks to Prime Minister Terence Drew, Deputy Prime Minister Hanley, and the people of St. Kitts and Nevis for the support of Taiwan. In particular, last April, Prime Minister Drew's cabinet unanimously passed a resolution supporting Taiwan's inclusion in the WHO and the International Civil Aviation Organization. This was an unprecedented move in the history of St. Kitts and Nevis, and it is of great significance for Taiwan. The Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis will reach two significant milestones. Mm -hmm. Our 40th anniversary of independence and 40 years of diplomatic partnership with the Republic of China, Taiwan. A partnership that is built on our shared... A partnership that is built on our shared values of freedom, democracy, peace, and the rule of law. That is why it is our intention to continuously rally behind and support Taiwan's bid to participate in international organizations 
such as the United Nations, the World Health Organization. It's the 40th anniversary of St. Kitts and Nevis and the 40th anniversary of its friendship with Taiwan. Deputy Prime Minister Henley invited President Tsai to attend his country's anniversary celebration in September. He expressed hope for an even deeper friendship between the two nations. U.S. Congressman Seth Moulton has gone viral on Chinese social media for suggesting that the U.S. bomb TSMC if China invades Taiwan. A clip of the shocking remarks ignited a firestorm on Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok. Taiwan's premier says the comments were taken out of context, possibly as a part of a Chinese cognitive warfare campaign. What the footage didn't show was Moulton saying that he didn't advocate for the idea. TSMC's advanced chip technology is an important strategic asset for Taiwan, but as China's threat continues to rise, U.S. Congressman Seth Moulton has raised the possibility of targeting TSMC to deter Beijing. Is just making it very clear to the Chinese that if you invade Taiwan, we're going to blow up TSMC. I just throw that out, not because that's necessarily the best strategy, but because it's an example <laughs> no, of no, 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 this no. out there. And of course, the, Ty the Taiwanese really don't like this idea, right? The video went viral on Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, under the title Bomb TSMC to Contain the Mainland. Taiwan lawmakers and its premier weighed in. If a conflict does erupt, why destroy TSMC? That makes it seem like having a precious jade is a crime. We have to look at the remarks in context. This message of they'll destroy TSMC is a cognitive warfare campaign on Douyin. Chinese state media outlets run accounts on Douyin. The video was edited to take the remarks out of context. Journalists reporting on this matter should first do a thorough fact-check. We will unite with like-minded countries to promote stability across the Taiwan Strait. During the forum, Moulton said that if China attacked Taiwan, the U.S. had just two options. The first was to stop the invasion. Moulton said the U.S. would be able to succeed. The second was to do nothing. But if China controlled Taiwan, its advanced technology and the global economy, the consequences would be disastrous, he said. I'm not promoting the idea, Michelle. You're just saying making what I'm, the threat. What I'm saying is these are some of the things that are, that are actually actively being debated um, amongst, US, yeah. uh, amongst U.S. policymakers. Moulton stressed that he was not advocating for destroying TSMC, but said that U.S. policymakers were debating the idea. He also commented on the geopolitical implications of the CHIPS Act, which encourages chip firms to build factories in the U.S. He says the act could send the wrong message to China. If the message that we send at the end of the day is we don't need Taiwan because we're no longer dependent on them for chips, does that make war more or less likely? I would actually argue it makes more, war more likely because China's going to say, oh, well, the United States is not going to bother to defend Taiwan. Moulton said that to contain China, it was crucial to consider all the possible outcomes. After all, losing TSMC would deliver a blow of two trillion U.S. dollars to the global economy, which no party can afford. A new trend has hit Taiwan in the last couple of years, the gender reveal party. It sees parents-to-be gather friends and family for a party where they reveal the sex of the baby on the way. Usually the parents themselves are also unaware of the sex before the big reveal. Doctors and party planners work together to prepare a surprise for the whole family. The U.S. trend has been embraced by Taiwanese celebrities in the wake of the pandemic.
On the count of three, a giant balloon is popped, and the screams of friends and family fill the air. The little blue balloons say, "It's a boy." Pink balloons, "It's a girl." My journey to pregnancy wasn't that easy. I thought, after working so hard to get pregnant, why not share this joy with my friends? The whole way through, everyone was so nervous to find out if it was a boy or a girl. Whichever sex you want, you can only get the answer in that moment of popping the balloon. Gender reveal parties have been popular abroad for many years, but they just arrived in Taiwan in the last two years, ushered in by numerous internet influencers and other celebrities. The parents asked the doctor conducting their ultrasound to secretly inform the party planner of the sex of the baby. Then the big reveal is arranged. Demand has suddenly risen in Taiwan. It started about the year before last. In busy periods, we get eight or ten cases a day. The balloon manufacturer knows the sex of the baby before the parents. One business handles upward of 20 orders a month, while Vicky, who runs a cake store, fell in love with the idea after her own party. She now offers clients an all-inclusive gender reveal party service. She arranges everything: the food, venue hire, balloons, and backdrop decorations. We can also adjust the backdrop according to the client's preferences. The all-inclusive service means you just have to turn up because we know what a hassle the whole process can be. With Taiwan's birth rate falling, parents are more inclined than ever to celebrate the arrival of each new child. The gender reveal party is a modern-day ritual to celebrate the happiness and the shock. Of a new little bundle of joy, Taiwan's appetite for noodles is inexhaustible, and now even the prison system is getting in on the business. Inmates and wardens at Tainan Second Prison have developed their own noodle products. Their colorful dried noodles are flavored with vegetables. The bright pink and orange products are very popular with consumers. The hope is that by learning the skills of noodle making. Inmates can prepare to start a new and law-abiding life when they finish their sentence. A roll of shocking pink dough. This dreamy color comes from purple dragon fruit. Pressed through a machine, the dough comes out as noodles, which are placed into these round baskets and metal rings. They're put out to dry in the sun. Nearby, there are also orange carrot-flavored noodles. These products are all made by the inmates at Tainan Second Prison. The most famous noodles in the Tainan area are known as Guanmiao noodles. We asked a Guanmiao noodle master to come here and teach them the method. Apart from having the basic production capacities, you also need plenty of time to dry them in the sun. So right now, we can produce about 400 packs a day. Six inmates at Tainan Second Prison are at the noodle master level, and they have eight more students studying. They started off by making simple, plain, dry noodles. Then they invented these natural colored noodles flavored with vegetables and created this drying space. It's surrounded by protective gauze to keep birds away. We've added several layers of protective nets outside, so various dusts as well as birds can't get in. We scatter some of the crumbs of our noodles outside for the birds here to eat, which is a way to live in harmony with them. It's also a good kind of life education. The noodles are boiled for seven minutes and then eaten with sauce. They're a way for inmates to make an income, but more importantly, a meaningful trade. When the inmates are released, this could be the first step for them to find a new place in society. Ever wondered where Taiwan's most acidic location is? 
look no further than Xinzhu. According to last year's data, Taiwan's most acidic rain was concentrated in the north. Xinzhu was at the top of the leaderboard with a pH value of 5.29. It took the title from Zhongli, which was number one for four consecutive years. According to the EPA, it's not that Xinzhu has gotten worse. Instead, it's that the air quality in Zhongli has made a recovery. Xinzhu has stayed at the same level in recent years. What's notable is Zhongli. Zhongli has improved significantly since around 2020, when the pH still tested below 5. But between 2021 and 2022, there was improvement. Through revising regulations, we significantly reduced the sulfur content of fuel. We'll continue to strengthen our oversight of mobile sources of air pollution. We'll also work in line with Taiwan's 2050 net zero policy in promoting electric vehicles. Not only had Zhongli improved, but all 14 of Taiwan's monitoring stations had pH values above 5, with an average value of 5.7. This means that technically none of them met the EPA's criteria for acid rain, which is defined by a pH below 5. But even so, doctors say that exposure to a pH of 5.5 or lower can disrupt the pH balance of hair follicles. So when those raindrops fall, reach for an umbrella to stay protected.